Thank you, Joan. Good morning. Nice to see you all, and more and more of you are coming back every week. We're glad you're, you're doing that and a part of this group. I also want to thank so many of you that uh, came out yesterday for the memorial service for J.O. Jackson. I think the Lord was honored. I think it's so special when we can do that and support one another. Uh, it meant a lot to her, to Carolyn, uh, and it meant a lot to me to see that kind of support uh, for one of our own. God bless you all for doing that. I'm going to continue uh, with the lesson from last week. I had some things that I wanted to emphasize that I didn't get to, and that is the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 26 and 27. And this, again, is Jesus teaching about the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so if you look at verse 26 in, in uh, chapter 15, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And so Jesus is again uh, directing our attention as to what will happen once the Holy Spirit unites itself with us. Uh, and so this is important for us to understand this, because no matter what you do, you will have no success in this world spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ unless the Holy Spirit is involved. Uh, it is only the Holy Spirit that will touch the hearts of the unsaved, touch the hearts of, of people who are uh, unregenerated. And so we have to rely on the Holy Spirit and give tithe to the Holy Spirit. And so it's important for you to understand that. That's why today I'm going to focus on uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch as a paradigm as to how the Holy Spirit specifically works. Now, uh, how does the uh, Holy Spirit speak to the individual heart of man? Well, first, the Holy Spirit gives comprehension. Apart from the Holy Spirit, there is no way uh, an individual, no way an individual can comprehend spiritual truth, plain and simple. Unless the Holy Spirit is involved, um, human beings will not understand spiritual truths. And I think the best example of that is to look at the, the cross. You can speak to very intelligent people uh, and speak to them about what we believe, and when you get to the idea of the cross and that your God allowed himself to be sacrificed on a cross uh, uh, as our propitiation for all sins, uh, most intelligent people will boggle. That will boggle their minds. How can your God say that he's on a cross allowing himself to be persecuted and suffer the indignities of that type of, of death. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't compute. And that's why only through the Holy Spirit, when we allow the Holy Spirit into our hearts and the Holy Spirit prepares the recipient for that message, then when you hear that God himself allowed himself to be sacrificed on the cross, well, then it, it becomes meaningful to you. You're convicted. Uh, and turn, if you would, as I underscore this, to first. Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Pretty straightforward, I would say. And so only through the Holy Spirit are you truly going to understand 
the things from God. And that's important for you as you go forward as a Christian and you study the Bible and you prepare yourself to speak about spiritual truths. You have to understand that it's the Holy Spirit that's going to guide you. Even today, in this group, as I speak the words that God has given me, and I prepared this lesson, I've prayed over the lesson, but still, as I utter the words, the words are God's words. And when they come into your hearing and you hear it, each one of you is going to discern what God has for you from those words. It may not be the same in all cases. You may need something different than your neighbor. You have some hurt or pain that your neighbor doesn't have. And it is through the Holy Spirit who will take those words and apply it to your heart that you will be fed. This is really the way the Holy Spirit works. Um, and if you're hearing somebody who is not guided by the Holy Spirit, then all you're hearing is a lot of words that are meaningless. So without the Holy Spirit, all you're getting is rhetoric. Rhetoric. Meaningless rhetoric. You could go to any university in the United States, sit in a, religious depart a religion department class, and hear an exposition about the New Testament, and it will fall flat as a dead duck. But you can go to the most simple home, and here's some simple person who's touched by the Holy Spirit, get up and give their testimony, and I will submit to you that that testimony will ring so true to you. It was like last week when, when we uh, heard that pastor from Orlando speak, you know, give a message. His message was good, but what really elevated that message is at the end when he gave his personal testimony about taking care of his wife who was suffering from Alzheimer's. I don't know about you, but when I heard that, the Holy Spirit communicated to me about how much love that man had, and that could only come from Jesus. Amen? And it was that aspect of the sermon that really resonated with my heart. And that's what God does. He finds that element, that element that you need to hear that will resonate in your heart. And so it's a tremendous thing that God has done with the Holy Spirit. And so without the internal witness of the Holy Spirit, the unregenerate can never understand truly the things of God. Um, but if we have the proper comprehension, and through the Holy Spirit, we understand the nature of sin. And because the bottom line in our faith is you need to be convicted of your sin. If you are not convicted of your sin and the fact that you are lost without the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Only that can be communicated through the Holy Spirit. Um, and as I said yesterday at the memorial service, you know, man elevates, man elevates, I call it secular humanism. Man elevates the human condition to think that your goodness, your, your righteousness, you can work your way to God. Deep within you is the divine spark there, it's all humanity is basically good. That is garbage. Humanity is not basically good. Humanity is basically bad. If left to its own desserts, humanity will destroy itself. There's no question about it. It's only when you're convicted by the Holy Spirit that you come to understand that. And that's the role of the Holy Spirit. And so what I said uh, in the earlier class, I'll repeat, the United States... Uh, will we'll never truly experience a great revival nationally uh, until it recognizes 
and confesses its personal sin and then its national sin one by one. Until we come and bended knee and ask for repentance as a people and as a country, uh, we, we will not see a national revival. It's that simple. And so uh, what third what the Holy Spirit brings the, uh, is a commitment to the Lord Jesus. And that is this. You hear the word, the word convicts you, and then in that conviction, the word raises you up so that you now uh, become committed to serving Jesus. Uh, it's as what Hayes said this morning, the act of obedience. Well, the act of obedience and submission takes place because you have bowed through the Holy Spirit in an act of, of contrition and conviction. And now you say, Lord Jesus, I want to serve you wherever you want me to go. I will do whatever you want me to do. And so that brings us now to uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, which is in Acts chapter 8. I wish you would turn there, please. Acts chapter 8. I can find no greater story uh, in the New Testament that best outlines the action of the Holy Spirit than this story. Uh, if you, this is a paradigm for all of us to see how God gives the Holy Spirit the action of the Holy Spirit in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is Acts chapter 28, beginning in verse 26. Let me set this up for you first so you have an idea of what, I'm, what this is about. Philip was, was first a deacon in the growing church. And at that stage, when he was doing that, their responsibility was to take care of the widows. They would take care of the tables. They would take care that the widows were taken care of. But Philip, because the Holy Spirit had descended on him and had given him gifts, it was obvious to those in the church that it wasn't the, just the mere business talent that he had, but that he had a talent to speak about Jesus. And so Philip became an evangelist. He didn't go to any seminary. He didn't get any postgraduate training at the Church of Jerusalem. It was God gave him this gift. And so Philip began to speak about Jesus, and a great movement started with his evangelism in Samaria, so great that Peter and John came up to witness it. And we're not going to talk about that right now. But in the midst of this great work, in this growing church, in, in the growing aspect of the Holy Spirit descending on the lives of hundreds and hundreds of people, suddenly Philip is told uh, by an angel of the Lord, you need to go out to the desert. You need to travel hundreds of miles away out to a desert road uh, towards Gaza, which is a road towards Egypt, and there is a divine appointment for you. Now, I want you to think about what we talk about today is obedience, what this is like. How would we act if we're in the middle of some successful work, or we're doing something even here in the church, and suddenly God speaks to us and said, I want you to get up and I want you to go out to a desert road. Would we obey God like that? Or would we say, wait a minute, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right. You want me to leave here and go out? There's nobody out there. I'm involved with hundreds of people. I'm going to go out. No one is out there. And yet you see how God, how God, what God will do for one soul, for one soul. Well, this, that's the nature of what we're going to learn today as this paradigm speaks to us about the impact of the Holy Spirit and how 
the Holy Spirit works. Verse 26 of Acts chapter 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. Now, let me just stop and, and give you some background. This Ethiopia here is not the same as Ethiopia today. Uh, it's a, a kind of a portion of Egypt. The country back then would be known as Cush. Uh, but the point is, it was hundreds of miles away from where Samaria would be. And so this fellow, Philip, uh, excuse me, the Ethiopian eunuch, had just gone uh, to worship in Jerusalem. He's a high official. He's in charge of all the treasury. And most likely, after the queen, he's the next most important person in this country. And so here he is. He had gone to Jerusalem for the high holy days to worship. And we don't know exactly what took place in that worship, but obviously he came back uh, and he was affected. I believe what happened was he could not get into the worship section of the temple because he was a eunuch. If you study the, the uh, Jewish code, uh, if you're a eunuch, you can't get into the main part of the assembly. Uh, and that had to be very daunting to this man, uh, not to mention the fact that here he is coming so many miles to Jerusalem to worship, and yet he was kept outside. But God had greater things for him. And let's continue. Uh, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, verse 28, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now look at how, how the uh, Holy Spirit works. Go to that chariot and stay near it. Don't try to climb into the chariot. Don't start as you're walking along, start shouting to the guy, hey, do you know who Jesus is? Or, you know, you're going to hell. Just think about that. Look, look at the way the Holy Spirit directed him. Go by that chariot, walk near that chariot, and wait. Wait, because God will intervene. If it's God's time, God will use you uh, as he intervenes with the lost. This is important for us to understand it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. They read aloud. In those days, that was typical, where they would read something, you would actually read it out loud. Um, and amazingly, uh, he's reading Isaiah 53. Probably the most poignant chapter in the Bible that speaks about Jesus Christ. Written 750 years before. Imagine that. And here he is reading that chapter on, on, in the chariot. Now, I submit to you that you have to fill in some of the pieces. He went to Jerusalem. He couldn't get into the, the central temple area, but he saw the sacrifices of the sheep. He saw the animal sacrifices. I submit that, the, that, that stayed in his mind, animal sacrifice, sacrificing for sin. And yet recognized that even though he needed that uh, and he wanted to do it and he wanted to be part of this, he came 
hundreds and hundreds of miles to worship, that religion couldn't answer his need. Understand that. Religion couldn't answer his need. Judaism would not answer the profound need and hole in his heart. And so God is directing him through the Holy Spirit to open to Isaiah 53. Philip has not said a word yet. Not said a word. But this is the impact of the Holy Spirit. Um, And so Philip says to the man, do you understand what you are reading? And here is something that we need to understand. I believe that the advancement of the gospel often begins with a question. Christianity is a dialogue, not a monologue. And this is what we need to understand. When we're trying to speak to people about Jesus, sometimes it's best for you to say, tell me, what is it that your heart yearns for? Do you understand the scriptures? Do you understand who Jesus is? Have have you made a commitment to Jesus without being dogmatic, starting in this very simple questioning way? Uh, And so you would say, gee, Philip, that seems arrogant that you would go to this guy who has this high political position and you would immediately ask him, do you understand what you're reading? Isn't that insulting? What do you think I am, dumb? But we understand that you can't possibly understand it unless the Holy Spirit inspires it. You can't understand it. And so this doesn't come out all at once. It comes out over this short period of time. And so uh, how can I, said the eunuch, unless someone explains it to me? And that's where God calls us. God calls us. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now just think about this right now. This is a cross-cultural moment. The Ethiopian eunuch is black. Philip is a Jew, right? And so here you have someone who is a Jew coming out of the Middle East, going now and speaking to someone who comes out of Africa, and you don't see any of the cultural divides that you might see today. It's the Holy Spirit, all right? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit breaks down those cultural divides and those institutional separation. I can really see in my mind's eye the fact that this guy must have been traveling with an entourage. This guy didn't go in one carriage. This guy was, was who the Bible tells us who he is, a man that high, I'm sure there, were, there was an entire entourage traveling along with him. Um, and so uh, how can I, unless someone explains it to me, and so Philip gets into the carriage. Now, I, I will submit to you that uh, if the eunuch had spent some time in Jerusalem, he probably heard about Jesus. But probably what he heard was not good, because if he were in the temple, most likely he would have heard uh, how the Jews had crushed Jesus and was crushing, were crushing this nascent uh, group of people. Uh, and yet the fact that there were sacrifices and now God has directed him to Isaiah 53 and he's reading it. Now look at the verses, verse 32. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer 
is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Now, this resonated with the eunuch because, first of all, he himself would have no descendants. And so he's looking at, at this man who had basically sacrificed himself uh, and would not have any uh, descendants. And so his legacy would obviously be cut off. He would be deprived of justice. He would have been humiliated. And I'm sure the eunuch's heart was touched. It resonated because they had something in common. Now, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. I've told you before that I had uh, someone who was a friend of mine who was an Orthodox Jew, a lawyer, who would come into my office periodically, and I knew he was religious, and whenever he would, periodically, I would open my Bible, I would give him Isaiah 53, and I would say, hey, what do you make of this chapter? What do you make of this chapter? And he would say to me, oh, no, I, no, I don't read anything that could undermine my faith. You don't read anything that can undermine your faith. It's in your Bible. This is your Bible. Well, then he told me that the rabbis have translated that so that, it, that the, in their opinion, it's not about a person. It's about the Israel. It's about Israel. It makes no sense. How can you say it's about Israel? But you see what happens when people don't give sway to the Holy Spirit. Do you see how, how these spiritual things really cannot be understood? We say that here, and I think we often don't really uh, come to terms with it. But it's the truth. You cannot really understand these things without really, truly uh, having the, the Holy Spirit explaining it. So the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the, that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Stop. The good news about Jesus. So many times... We clutter up our pitch to people about so many things that do not relate to Jesus. All right? You got to clean up your act. You can't do this. You can't do that. You need, to, you need to come to my church. You need to see this. You need to read this book. Look, you have to understand, look how simple this was. He talked about Jesus. If you want to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one way. You need to speak about Jesus. If you were in attendance yesterday at that memorial service, you will know that there I was in a country club setting, and I had a choice, didn't I? I could try to give some politically correct palliative sermon that people would not be offended about, right? You understand. Uh, you know, uh, J.O. led a good life. He was a good person. But, you know, the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow me to do that. Instead, I preached very simply, very simply, that Jesus said, Gospel of John 14, verses 5 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Period. End of sentence. End of thought. That's it. No one no one comes to God other than through Jesus Christ. Oh, John, you said that in a country club? Oh, you'll never be invited back. I would say there's a good chance of that. Although the general manager said he liked the way I played the piano. So, 
we look for some good wherever we can find it. But, but the point is, you understand, if I was looking to make myself popular, find a way that people would say, oh, that guy's a good guy. I, you know, I like how he speaks. You know, there's ways to cop out. But Jesus doesn't want you to do that, all right? That's the central message of who we are and what we stand for. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And that's what we have to understand when we, when we speak to people in a loving way, uh, how God wants us to do this. And so Philip is preaching the good news about Jesus. What's the good news? That's the good news. It doesn't get any better than that. You want to go to heaven? You want to see God? You want to be with your family members who have predeceased you who are Christians? That's the good news. Jesus, 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 one and alone, no one else. Uh, and so many of us have to understand this because so many of us are laid down with so many other thoughts, you know, the rules and regulations, the legalism and this and that, instead of lifting up Jesus and letting the Holy Spirit convict people. Letting the Holy Spirit convict people. And that's what Philip did. He's sitting in that, uh, that chariot, speaking about Jesus, uh, explaining Isaiah 53, written 750 years before, as God had prepared the Jewish people for the Son of God to come to this world. And what happens? The convicting power of the Holy Spirit takes place. Uh, and so... Philip begins from that passage of Scripture and told them the good news about Jesus. I'm sure Philip went through the Bible in numerous places and showed about all, all of the prophecies uh, relating to Jesus. And this man is taking it all in. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Oh, wait a minute. I don't see Philip putting a strong arm on, on the eunuch. Do you? I don't see Philip, Philip going, well, you know now, you've you, you got to get baptized. And before you get baptized, I have a whole list of questions i got to ask you. i got to go through kind of like a catechism with you to make sure that you're worthy to be baptized, that you understand this. I'm not going to allow this. You can't do this step uh, unless I do X, Y, and Z. And, and what do you see? You don't see any of that. What you see is under the unction of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit there in the eunuch, the eunuch himself was so convicted that the eunuch said, why can't I be baptized in this water? What keeps me from being baptized in this water? Uh, what a lesson that is, isn't it? Why, it's a lesson to me. You preach the simplicity of Jesus Christ and get out of the way. Get out of the way. Let God do what God is supposed to do. You deliver the message. And so he gave the orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. What a great picture this is in my mind. This desert road. Nobody there but these people and him going down into some pond along the desert road, being baptized. And now he comes out of the water, and as he's coming out of the water, as he's coming out of the water, he's filled with joy. He recognized that God has saved him, that the Spirit of God has descended on him and filled him with the Holy Spirit itself. And suddenly, as he comes out of the water, the Spirit of God takes Philip away. 
Verse 39, when they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. What is that about? That is about this, that God determines that at some point, further human intervention is a detraction, not a plus. What do I mean by that? Here's, here's what I mean. What would we do if we were there? Oh, wow, this is amazing. You're like the number two guy of this nation. You're in charge of all the money, uh, and I'm an evangelist. Just think about what the two of us can do together. We'll start a church. How's that? We'll start a church in Ethiopia. You know, I'll be the main preacher. You'll be one of the bishops in the church. Oh, this is going to be great, Right? This is going to be great. I can't wait to get my human hands down there in Ethiopia and really mess this up. You saw the same thing on the Mount of Transfiguration, didn't you? Right? Jesus being transfigured along with Moses and Elijah, right? And what did the disciples say that were there, Peter and John? What did they say? Oh, Lord, this is fantastic. Let's build some statues here. Let's build some memorials here so that people will see what was done. And Jesus said, no way. No way. That's not how the things of God work. That's not how the things of God work. And so you see here uh, the, the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And that is God uses us to present the gospel. God uses us to be the messenger. But then at some point in time, God will direct us away because he knows that we will hinder the work. Now, it doesn't mean that that's the way it is in all circumstances. It doesn't mean that in all circumstances. In some circumstances, as you present the gospel to somebody, they may need you to mentor them, to pray for them, to love on them, and that's all understood. But in this case, when this man was a high national figure and the church is just nascent, the, the temptation would have been, let's politicize this. This is fantastic. We can make hay on this. And that's the last thing that God wants. Now, one of the things that, that I learned as I studied this uh, story is that uh, Irenaeus, one of the great church fathers in about the year 125 or 150, speaks about the fact that this eunuch went back to Ethiopia and started a major Christian effort in Ethiopia, and that, that there were many thousands of Ethiopians that came to Christianity because of this man, because he was convicted. And there was always a strong uh, Christian movement in, in the Ethiopian area. And many people tie it to this man, that God used this man. And so what impresses me here is that you see that the cultural divide, the racial divide was of no consequence. It didn't matter that he was black and that Philip was white. It didn't matter that he came out of an African environment and Philip was a Jew. It didn't matter because God cuts across all racial lines. There are no racial lines in the mind of God and in the work of God as it relates to the Holy Spirit. That's important for us to understand. We need to understand that. And you see that here. Uh, in, in this incredible work, as you see this, this work. And so Philip is spirited away, spirited away 
to another area. Uh, it says he appeared at, at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Uh, and so the obedience, the obedience uh, to God through the Holy Spirit of Philip is something for us to recognize. Lord, if the Lord calls you and gives you a strong feeling that you need to speak to someone, then you better speak to them. There's somebody in your family, you better speak to them. There's somebody in your country club, you better speak to them. Don't go, oh, I don't know, they'll think I'm a flake. You know, I mean, I could identify with what Hayes said today. I could identify with what he said today when he talked about the fact that one of the kids yelled, hey, preacher, one of the most painful things that ever happened to me when I was in ninth grade, I had uh, the athletic director of the high school, I had come to a, to a to a basketball game, but I could only go after I'd gone to church. Are you surprised? So I would have gone to church first Friday night, I came home, and then I was going to go to the basketball game, but I could only, I could only go after halftime because by the time church got off, over, it would have been halftime. And of course, when I went to church, you would wear a jacket and tie, okay? Thank God he's delivered me of that. <laughs> so I want you to figure this out. I'm in ninth grade. I've got a jacket and tie on. You're already shaking your head. Yeah, you know what's coming. All right? I go into the game, and the athletic director said, Oh, Grippa, yeah, you're one of them holy rollers. To this day, it hurts me. To this day, it hurts me. But I want to tell you a funny story how God is. 50 years later, 50 years later, my mother is in a hospital and she had her leg amputated. And I'm with my mother. And who winds up being in the same facility, in the same coming down at dinner? That athletic director who had had both his legs amputated. And he would sit there and wait every night for my mother to come down to dinner because my mother was there for about four months and he would tell my mother, I can't wait for your son to come. He just, it's so great to see him here and it makes me feel good that he's part of this and that he's, he's socializing with me. Do you see how God is? Somebody who could be so cold-hearted and say something so incredibly uh, evil, evil and hurting, uh, and let me tell you, you don't recover from those things. It was nice for Hayes to say that he, that he sloughed it off. Well, I'll tell you right now, I didn't slough it off, okay? I didn't slough it off. I remembered that. It was painful to me, all right? That's part of, part of those experiences of growing up in godless New Jersey, all right? Hayes grew up in the Bible Belt. I didn't grow up in the Bible Belt. There was no Bible Belt eight miles from New York City, folks, Got it? No Bible Belt eight miles from New York City, okay? You went to church Wednesday and Friday night? There's no question. You're a holy roller, okay? I'm not interested in anything about your theology. That's what you were. And even for, for somebody who is an athletic director of a, of a high school to talk like that. But you know what? This is where the Holy Spirit comes in, all right? You understand? Yes, I was hurt, but God mediated in my heart. 
He touched my heart. I could, see, I could see what my parents were involved in. I saw the humility of their lives. I saw the power of God. So did I walk away from the cross? No, I didn't walk away from the cross. It didn't mean that I didn't have pain. It didn't mean that I, that I didn't feel persecution. I did. I did. That's why it took me years before I could do what I'm doing here. But God prepared me. He understood. That was the way he works. That's how the Holy Spirit works. Okay, until, until he's he set to call you. And so what an incredible story this is. As you see the power of the Holy Spirit working to have the gospel preached to people that need to hear it. And that's where you come in. God says to each and every one of you, we've heard it, I expect you to talk about me. I expect you to speak about me, even when it might make you feel a little uncomfortable, a little uncomfortable. Somebody told me in the eight o'clock class this morning, they were, again, New Jersey, in a restaurant at a table of nine people, and people at the restaurant uh, said, uh, boy, I can't stand those fundamentalist Christians. I can't stand them. They're so bigoted. And, and this guy is a good person. He said, well, uh, I'm, I'm one of those fundamentalist Christians. He says, and his wife was kicking him under the table, don't say it. Don't shut your mouth. Don't say it. Don't say it. No, no, no. He felt, he felt that God wanted him to say it. And it was a good thing that he did because when he spoke about it, they said, well, what is it exactly that you, that you believe in? He says, well, here's the thing. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and died on the cross for our sins. Oh, well. Oh, that's, that's not so bad. <laughs> that's not so bad. That's right, it's not so bad. And you need to hear that story. So do you see how it is? Even when you are really uh, in a position where you say, oh God, I don't think I can talk to them. I don't think, somebody told me a story this morning. I laughed, one of, one of the people in our class, we have a very liberal class. One of the people in the class was in a bar, okay? He's in a bar. And, his, and, he, and he at the bar, and a guy all of a sudden came up to him, and there was a seat next to him. And he said to him, can I sit next to you? Yeah, sure, you can sit next to me. And so uh, my, my uh, fellow in my class said to him, how you doing? And I said, not, not good. No, I'm in the last stages of cancer. I don't have long to go. Uh, and this fellow in the most, and this is a guy who's a new Christian, literally, this is a year, year and a half down the road. He says to him, well, do you believe in God? And he said, yes, I do. He said, well, do you know Jesus? And he goes, not really. And here he is in a bar speaking about Jesus to a guy who doesn't have long to live. And at the end of the conversation, he said to him, can I pray for you? right there. Can I pray for you? Yes. Pray for me. You see how the Holy Spirit works? Now, I'm not telling you to go into bars, all right? <laughs> I'm, not tell I'm not giving you instructions like that, because if I tell you that, I'll be in the parking lot next week. <laughs> I'm very much aware of that, but, but I'm not telling you that. But the point is, you have no idea where God will make divine appointments for you. Inevitably, on airplanes, I will sit next to somebody that God has set up as a divine. Inevitably, it happens. Uh, it never fails. 
Uh, and you're going to find time and time again that this is how the Holy Spirit works. If you leave yourself open in obedience to serving him. However, if you're the kind of person that says, no, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. Well, you want to know something? God will, will, will leave you alone. He won't use you. And then the day is going to come when you're going to come face to face with Jesus. And, and he's going to ask you. He's going to point blank ask you. Uh, what did you do to advance the gospel of, uh, of Jesus Christ? What did you do? And that's going to be a hard, a hard time for you. That's going to be hard because you obviously did not comport yourself with the way Jesus wanted you. And here's the lesson I'm giving you. You are saved. You're going to heaven. Let's get that out of the way. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. You're going to heaven. But God has so many other things for you on the other side, responsibilities and authority that he's going to give you and reward you for how you've acted and how you've advanced the gospel here, that, that you're going to fall short of the mark when instead God wants to give you everything that you should have. So let's understand that. I'm not saying you're not saved. You are saved. You're going to heaven. But I want you to have the richest possible life you can have. And that means, yes, you're going to heaven, but what kind of empowering life did you have here? Were you able to be empowered in the face of evil? Were you able to be empowered in the face of a world that's lost? Were you able to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who wouldn't hear it from any other person? Are you able to do that? One of my favorite stories is a true story that, that a, a reporter was asking Billy Graham's sister once, kind of rhetorically, well, who, who do you think has brought the, the gospel of Jesus Christ to more people in the 20th century? Who do you think? Uh, and she said, I know you think I'm going to say my brother Billy, but I'm not. Instead, I'm going to say the man, the rancher, who gave my brother the gospel over the back fence of our property. What? Yeah, think about it. The guy who gave Billy Graham the gospel. That guy. That guy. Just like Philip here with the Ethiopian eunuch. Did he know that that Ethiopian eunuch would start a great church? In that? Did he know that he was spirited away? He didn't understand that. And that's what God says to you. You don't know who you are speaking to or what God has in mind for that person. All you know is you bow in deference to what God wants and you preach the gospel. Just like yesterday uh, at that service, when I got done, a woman said to me, do you have any idea how many people come to Jesus when you get done preaching? No. And you want to know something? I think Jesus wants it that way. All right? Because here's the thing, folks. If I kept score, at some point my head would blow up. Wouldn't it? Oh, look at you. Wow. Look at you, how good you are. Wow. God knows that. That's why he wants us humbled, that we bow to him. That whatever we do, we do for him. It's not about us. And here's the thing as you see this story as we come to an end on it. He spirited him away. Why? Because God didn't want it to be about a personality. It was not about the elevation of Philip. It's not about the elevation of us. That's why I'm very much against the cult of personality. Okay? 
I'm so blessed that you're all here, and I know that many of you think highly of me, but believe I put my face in the dust. Whatever I do, I do at the grace of God. Whatever the words are, they're God's words. Yes, he's given me certain gifts that I give to him, but it's not about me. This class isn't about the size it is because it's about me. It's about him. And I don't care where you are, what church you're involved in, don't ever elevate the leadership to the point where you worship the personality. It's about Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? amen. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for the words that you've given us. This image of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, this understanding of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and what you're telling us today, Lord. And so I pray that each and every one of our people understand where we're going, that we understand the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we honor you, that we honor the Spirit, that when you put us someplace, we will speak out about you, that we will not be fearful, but we will have, have courage, Lord, to advance the gospel. Protect our people in every way and bring them back safely next week to continue the study of your word. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you.